between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of, when shining kingdoms lay spread across the world. Hither came Conan, the Cimmerian, sword in hand. It is I, his chronicler, who knows well his saga. Now let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Welcome to Hither Came Conan. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and today Conan faces a masked wizard and his daughter who can turn into a tiger. The daughter, not the wizard. Well, I mean, maybe the wizard can turn into a tiger. I, I don't know. I mean, he's a wizard. There's a lot of stuff that wizards can do, but I honestly have no idea what the rules are in this world that Conan lives in, you know, when 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 it comes to magic. So... Yeah, I don't know. Whoa, she turned me into a newt! Anyway, today we're looking at Conan the Barbarian, issue number five from Marvel Comics. This issue sports a cover date of May 1971, but it hit the stands in February. It sold for 15 cents, and the title of the story is Zucala's Daughter. It was written by Roy Thomas, pencils by Barry Windsor Smith, inks by Frank Giacoa, and the letters were by Sam Rosen. Into the boat! Traveling south through a remote Zamorian village on his way to Shatazar, Conan ends up in the middle of a sorcerer's tax collecting scam. It's the leader. He's the wizard. The village has not paid its 40 pieces of gold, so the sorcerer sends a demon tiger to collect. Conan battles with and loses to the tiger, but it decides not to kill the barbarian and slinks off, changing into its true shape, a beautiful woman. Why are you dressed as a tiger? The townsfolk tell Conan that she is the daughter of the sorcerer Zukala. The girl, Zephra, returns to her father, but for some reason is so pale and sickly that she falls into her father's arms. Meanwhile, Conan agrees to slay the sorcerer in return for a sword that caught his eye over there in the local smithy. It's bad luck to kill a wizard. But after his departure, the villains discuss their intent. To betray him. Conan sneaks into Zukala's fortress and watches as the sorcerer summons a demon, Jogtanoga, to punish the villagers. Conan is discovered by Zephra, who explains her odd behavior. She saw a vision of her future, and it seems she is fated to fall in love with Conan. And yet, in the vision, she also sees Conan standing over her dead body. The two are interrupted by Zukala who runs off when Conan shatters his mask, the source of his power. Enough of the mask remains for a few magical tricks, however, and the wizard commands his daughter to turn into a tiger once more and slay the Sumerian. Doesn't matter why they're dressed as a tiger, have they got my leg? She refuses, which makes Zukala more than a little irritated. Meanwhile, the demon, Jogtanoga, returns from his tax collecting with a bag full of gold, and Zukala orders him to kill Conan. Zephra, still in tiger form, leaps between the demon and the barbarian, taking on Jogtanoga in order to save Conan's life. During the battle, however, Zephra is dealt a near-killing blow, and horrified, Zukala sends the demon away. Zukala vanishes with his daughter, who, while still alive, 
is no longer as loyal to her father as she had been. And this saddens the sorcerer more than anything else. Everybody hurts sometimes. Conan, alone now in the palace of Zucala, takes up the bag of gold the demon had collected from the village and figuring that it's payment enough, heads out, bypassing the village as he resumes his journey south to Shadazar. Enough talk. All right, so this story was adapted from the Robert E. Howard poem, Zucala's Hour, which, as far as I can tell, was originally published as part of a collection of Howard's poems in 1970 called Singers in the Shadows. It has been published in other collections since then, but I can't find any of them on the Kindle, at least none that I'm willing to spend money on. And I can't find the poem anywhere online to read, so I haven't read it, which means that I have no idea if Conan is in the poem or not. I mean, we know just based on issue number three, The Twilight of the Grim Gray God, that Roy Thomas was not afraid to take a Robert E. Howard story that was not a Conan story and turn it into one featuring our favorite barbarian. But really, I have no idea if that's the case here. If you know, let me know, Stephen or else at gmail.com. So looking through the comic, I'm actually quite a big fan of this cover, although the tiger looks fairly weird and does look fairly weird throughout. Barry Windsor Smith isn't great at drawing animals. The way it's depicted here on the cover, though, is pretty cool with Zephra above it. Basically, it shows both the tiger and Zephra jumping at Conan, but they're kind of merged. She's kind of she's on top and her legs are kind of turning invisible as they intersect with the tiger and doesn't exactly tell you that the tiger and the woman are one and the same, but it's a pretty cool cover. Conan is reared back in alarm as the tiger is attacking him and he's got this curved dagger in his hand. It, it looks pretty cool. As we get into the comic, it looks like Conan has added a white cape to his costume, though it might actually be considered more of a cloak than a cape. And speaking of his costume, I say that in quotes. I've been listening to a number of the original Robert E. Howard Conan stories recently, and I was pleasantly surprised to find him wearing that horned helmet in Queen of the Black Coast. So that was fun. I mean, I don't know if it's the same one. They just describe a, a helmet that he's wearing that has two horns coming out of it that that resemble bull horns. And I immediately thought of this helmet, which, again, is part of his costume. Uh, Zucala is fairly ridiculous looking and his look reminds me of something I've been meaning to talk about here on the podcast in regard to these Conan issues in the art. Uh, it's very clear to me anyways, that Marvel, or maybe it's just Barry Windsor Smith, wasn't quite sure how to depict characters in a fantasy setting as a lot of them, Zucala being a prime example, look more like superheroes or supervillains that have, you know, a fantasy theme to their costume, if that makes any sense. I mean, that would explain why Conan wears a costume. Again, I say costume in quotes. And while his look, Conan's look, is pretty much in line with the fantasy setting, the fact that he wears the same thing in each issue so far, apart from the occasional cloak, of course, it feels too much like a superhero comic. Now, 
I do understand that a wandering barbarian may not have much of a chance to shop for new clothes, but it still feels very, I don't know, cookie cutter to me, like a, like a cartoon where your characters always wear the same exact thing over hundreds of episodes. That's why I refer to his outfit as a costume. But back to Zukala, he just in no way makes me think of a wizard in a fantasy world. And frankly, if I had only been shown the panels of Zukala without Conan in, in them, I may have just assumed that he was a Doctor Strange villain or, or something like that. But here's the thing. <laughs> as ridiculous as Zukala looks, it is nothing compared to the demon Jogtanoga. He's got brown, furry goat legs, a green torso and arms and legs with yellow stripes like a like a freaking tiger, which, by the way, is the same color scheme as Battle Cat from He-Man, which is kind of funny since He-Man's look is very much based on Conan. I mean, He-Man is just a blonde, blue-eyed, white-bred Conan made for kids, right? Anyway, Jogtanoga, goat legs, green and yellow trunk, arms and hands. They're both, they're also green and yellow. And then he has a head that looks a bit like the red skull with like wisps of hair on either side. But in some panels, his entire head is red. In other panels, his head is all green. And in others, the top half of his head is red while the bottom half is green. And apparently the demon seems to be able to shrink and grow at will. But going back to the beginning real quick. So yeah, Conan is is walking through this village. There's actually a, a part here in the opening of this story that for me feels a little unlike Conan. First of all, he's wearing a white cloak, which just doesn't seem like Conan at all. But as he's walking through this village, he's basically in the market area, the marketplace, and he stops by this shop that's selling weapons. I'm assuming it's the smithy. There's knives and swords and whatnot on the walls and there's the guy in there that's trying to sell stuff. And Conan is is eyeballing a particular sword. He, he seems to like it. So the guy tries to sell it to him, but but Conan is not about to pay the seven drackies, whatever that means. That's what the guy wants for it. But the reason why I feel this is not Conan, it doesn't feel like Conan, is that this sword is a very gaudy looking sword. It's got snakes all over it, the hilt is basically two snakes and there's snakes on the scabbard. Granted that the coloring in this book is, is 1970s. So they had to go with a lot of solid colors, but the scabbard and the hilt, it, it, they're both gold. It just seems like a very extravagant, gaudy type of sword for Conan to want. It, it looks very, fairly decorative, basically the kind of thing that, that you might see in a, in a pawn shop that is something you'd hang on your wall other than use. You wouldn't want to use that in, in a battle because it, the, the blade would snap or something. So it just seems it just seems out of character for Conan to be super interested in this sword. And we know he is because, uh, at, you know, at this point, the tiger shows up and Conan fights the tiger. Actually, the the entire sky grows dark. It's just full of these Kirby dots. And Conan is wondering, you know, what's going on? By Krom, how quickly the sky grows black. And there's a guy in the street going, flee, my brothers, lock your doors and bar your windows. It is time. It is time. 
And the shopkeeper, the guy who's trying to sell Conan the sword, he grabs his head. He puts his hands on both sides of his head and goes, Aye, in my greed, I forgot. I meant to close my shop early this day of days, but I forgot. And so we learn that once a year or so, yeah, every year they're supposed to pay this tax, 40 pieces of gold to Zukala, the, the sorcerer, the wizard. And this tiger apparently comes down to, to wreck the village. Conan fights the tiger. The tiger wins, but doesn't kill him. And that's when the villagers come out having not given the tiger their 40 pieces of gold. And they're very happy about this. And they offer to pay Conan to go and, and kill Zukala. I mean, there, there's actually a moment here when the tiger is destroying things that it's about to eat a woman and her son. And that's when Conan kind of intervenes and he's got this sword that just snaps into like four pieces when he tries to cut the tiger's head off. But anyway, yeah, the tiger wins, but doesn't kill him. And the villagers want him to go kill the wizard. We discover that the tiger is actually a woman, the wizard's daughter. And again, the wizard Zukala is just, he's just ridiculous looking. If I saw myself in clothes like those, I'd have to kick my own ass. But yeah, anyway, we know that Conan does actually want this sword because when the villagers hire him to go kill the wizard, they basically throw all their money down in front of him. The basic, the, the 40 pieces of gold that was supposed to go to Zukala. And he says that, he wants a certain weapon, the dragon hilt blade. So I guess there's not snakes, they're dragons. They look like snakes to me. The dragon hilt blade, which the swordsmith tried to sell me. So yeah, he's, he's very interested in that sword. Now he is carrying the sword. They do give it to him before he leaves. So I don't know if that's a down payment, if he's still supposed to get his 40 pieces of gold, which in the end, it doesn't matter because he gets his 40 pieces of gold at the end. He takes it from Zukala. but yeah, he's, He's got the sword with him. He sneaks into the palace. We meet Jogtanoga, which, oh my goodness gracious, this, the, this demon is a prime example of, I'm just going to say an editor not doing their job because it looks just completely different depending on what panel you're looking at. And maybe that's because that's the, the you know, that's what the demon is. It's, it's constantly slightly shifting its shape and color, which I don't know, seems ridiculous. If it's, if it's going to change shape, uh, it changes in size, but it also in some panels has horns on the top of its head and has more of a big flowing furry mane coming out of the top of its head. In the very first panel, we see the entire figure of Jogda Noga. It's all green with red Big like, like almost a big flowing red mane coming out of the top of his head. And then the uh the the yellow pattern on his torso and his arms in, in this panel are is red. It's just, I don't know. Not a big fan of the way this freaking demon looks, not a big fan of the way Zukala looks, but I like the way Zukala looks more than <laughs> the way the demon looks. But Conan and Zukala fight and immediately. Conan goes for his head with his sword. Not in the face, not in the face. Uh, which doesn't kill him. It just cracks his, his, his mask in half. And it's more of a, it's, it's, it's like a helmet. It's like a big 
plate mail helmet with a, you know, like an Iron Man faceplate on the front of it. But it's not built very well because it literally just cracks in half when Conan hits it with the sword. And then it almost looks like it's, I, I don't know, I can't tell if it's fabric or if it's metal because the way it's sitting here on Zukala's head after having been hit by the sword, it looks like it's, I don't know, it's, it just seems like it took way more damage than, than what you would think a big metal helmet would when being hit by a sword, even if wielded by a powerful strong dude like Rick and Conan. Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and they hear the lamentation of their women. We get the demon coming back and fighting Conan, but the tiger intervenes, and at one point, the demon is so big that it can hold the tiger in one hand. I don't know, that demon is just ridiculous looking. All in all, it was it was a fun story, despite how ridiculous the the demon looked, uh, you know, I think visually it wasn't that appealing, but the story was still kind of fun. And I like how Conan, you know, takes that 40 pieces of gold, which technically the village was going to give him anyway. And actually they weren't, they were going to, when it, when he came back to get the gold, they were going to, what were they going to do here? The guy, the, the guy who sells him, the, who gives him the sword, the guy, the sword Smith says, uh, I only know that even if the stripling somehow slays Zukala, he must return here to get his money. And there are many accidents which may befall an ignorant barbarian so far from home. And that is a common mistake people make when it comes to Conan. They think because he is a barbarian from the north, from Samaria, that he's stupid. Conan is far from stupid. And so people are always underestimating his mental capabilities, which usually ends up getting them killed. But in the end, it doesn't really matter because Conan gets his 40 pieces of gold from Zukala's palace and doesn't need to go back to the village. And frankly, the villagers should be pretty happy about that because had Conan gone back to the village, he probably would have killed anybody who tried to obviously double cross or kill him. He he is leaving, however, he's leaving the the, the palace with his gold, but not with the sword, there's a, a point where after he cracks open Zukala's mask that, you know, Zukala runs away and Conan and Zephyr chase him into this room with these big bowls of fire. And Conan is holding the sword, the, the dragon hilted sword, and Zukala turns it into a snake, a venomous serpent. And Conan throws the snake into a fire. And grabs an axe off the wall, which kind of foreshadows something that he will do many, many years later when he is a king and has to fight another demon after fighting a bunch of traitors that come to kill him. He takes an axe off the wall to fight them all. But yeah, as much as I didn't like the art in this one, and I'm, I'm going to blame that mostly on the inker, because here's the thing. You don't see much of the Barry Windsor Smith in the art in this issue. And I'm going to assume that that's because of the inker, Frank Giacoa. I've noticed that the issues in which you can kind of see 1985 Barry Windsor Smith poking through, you know, early 70s Barry Windsor Smith, those are the issues that were inked by Sal Buscema, which and it tells me that Sal is really good about letting the original art shine through his inks rather than finishing the art 
to make it look like his own style, which is what old Frank here seems to be doing. And I don't think it did this issue any favors at all. Of course, I don't know what state the pencils were in by the time Frank got the book. Maybe he had no choice but to ink in such a way that it completely wipes out any style that Barry Windsor Smith might have. But it was still a fun story, which I don't know. There's really anything else I want to say about it. So I guess that takes us to listeners feedback. All right. Our first bit of feedback comes by way of an email from loyal listener, Greg Herson, who writes, Hey, sword brother, I'm still enjoying hither came Conan. Keep up the good work. Just wanted to drop you a note to ask if you'd seen the new Conan comic by Titan. They had an issue for free comic book day, and I believe you get a free digital copy from Amazon or Comixology. You mentioned how Buscema was your favorite Conan comic artist. He's mine too. The guy they have doing this new series is so much like Buscema. He uses finer line work, but otherwise it looks the same. Fortune and glory, Greg. And yeah, I totally got that free comic book day issue through Comixology. Uh, the artist is Rob De La Torre, and it, of course, it's written by Jim Zub. Um, yeah, it is a gorgeous looking book. I am so looking forward to this series. I might talk about these newer issues on the show. I, I haven't quite decided yet or not if I'm going to, you know, my, my neurodivergent brain wants to only talk about these Conan issues in the order in which they were published. So the idea of taking some episodes to talk about these new issues, it just makes my brain itch. So I, I don't know if I'm going to do that yet or not. I haven't quite decided, but Recently, Jim Zub was on an episode of the Chromecast, and he was talking about this new Conan comic that he's doing, and I'm super excited for it. He he referenced a storyline he did for Marvel. I think it was like one of the last Conan stories that was published by Marvel before they lost the rights to Conan, and it went to it's not now Titan is the 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 company that's releasing the comics in America, but they're not the ones that actually own the license. I, I don't remember the name of, of the, the, the publishing group that is working with Titan. It's, it's all in that episode. Look for the latest episode of the Chromecast because Jim Zub talks about it. But anyway, yeah, he referenced the story he did for, for Marvel uh, Conan story called the gambler. And lucky enough, I happen to have that trade that I got uh, from Comixology when there was a huge sale uh, last year or something. But um, I'm probably going to be reading that pretty soon because it sounded pretty cool. And it might give me an idea of what we can expect from the, from the new series. The first issue uh, lands in July. But I also found out in that episode that typically Jim Zub does a full script when he, when he writes a comic. But when he was going over you know, when he was talking to Rob De La Torre about, about doing this, this series, uh, Rob actually convinced him to, to do this the Marvel way, you know, the old Marvel method that Stan Lee had to do, where he would give the artist a rough outline. This is what, here's what I want to happen in the story. The Fantastic Four is going to go into space and then they're going to fight this guy. And then Jack Kirby, for example, would, he would tell the story 
using his art and then Stan would come back in and do all the dialogue and the captions and all that good stuff. And that's sounds like that's kind of what they're doing here. So that that excites me even more to know that much of this story is being told by the artist as well. But yeah, really looking forward to that. Thank you for your email, Greg. Our second bit of feedback is from over at the uh, Stephen or else YouTube channel. It's from my Superman Super Show podcasting partner, Ed Moore, who commented on the episode in which I'm talking about Conan the Barbarian issue number three. And he says, that helmet has got to go. I guess that's an allusion to Odin and the Valkyrie, seeing as how we've been in Vanaheim and Asgard already. They should have gotten the two leaders to face off to begin with. Maybe more folks would have survived. So Conan wants to kill the soldiers of side B, but he is okay with the fact that a soldier from side A is going to betray his troops to side B. Not sure about that one. All right. So Ed's comments seem to be organized in four subjects here. The first one is in, is the helmet. So I'll address each one in turn. Yeah, the helmet. I'm not a big fan of the helmet. Looking forward to the day that the helmet goes away. And I don't know if he wears this helmet through all of the Barry Windsor Smith issues or uh, hopefully he'll he'll lose it at some point. I don't know. The second point in regard to Odin and the Valkyrie. Yeah, I think I even said that in the in the episode that the God that we meet is Bori, the North God of War, and he has these women on flying horses, the choosers of the soul. I, I don't remember what they were called, but yeah, it's it's fairly obvious that, well, maybe not obvious, but from what I read, the story that it's based on, which is not a Conan story, uh, the, the god that was in that story was Odin, and then they had the Valkyrie in it. And so, yeah, Roy Thomas just changed them to Bori and the, the, the choosers of the dead or whatever those ladies were called. Uh, should have gotten the two leaders to face off to begin with. More folks would have survived. Yeah, but then it would have been a pretty boring story, right? <laughs> and then Ed's last comment about Conan being okay with the guy that betrays the Hyrcanian troops. Is that, was Brithunia? Yeah, but Brithunia was the side that Conan was fighting for and it was the Hyperboreans. So one of the Brithunian soldiers, the guy who is in charge of the, the, the cavalry, basically, he turns out to be a traitor. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Conan was okay with that just simply by the fact that he hunted the guy down and killed him by the end of the issue. So I don't think he was, he was okay with that at all, but that's all we got this week. That was our feedback. If I missed your feedback, if you've sent something in and I haven't shared it on the show, please let me know because that wasn't on purpose. Accidents happen and things do get lost. If you haven't sent in any feedback and you want to, and then have it read out on a future episode, the email address is stevenorels at gmail.com. That will be in the show notes. I am at stevenorels on Instagram, Spoutable, Twitter, and TikTok. I even have a phone number that you can use to text or leave a voicemail. It's also in the show notes, but it's 785-318-6673. Just Keep in mind that that is the number that's used for all of my shows. So make sure that you indicate in either the text or the voicemail that you're texting slash calling about Hither Came Conan. So yeah, there are many ways in which you can reach out to me. 
And speaking of, I, I would really appreciate it if you would take a moment to go out there and rate and or review the show. If that is available on whichever podcasting app you use, that would be a big help to me and the show. Until then, folks, I want to thank you for spending this time with me today. Join me back here next time when I'll be looking at Conan the Barbarian issue number six, Devil Wings over Shatazar, which features a giant bat on the cover, along with a scantily clad babe. You know, that actually reminds me, has, has anybody noticed that on all five of the covers so far, and of course the cover to number six, which we're talking about next time, they all have a sexy babe somewhere on the cover. Have you noticed that? Even issue number four, the Tower of the Elephant, which shows Conan saving a woman from a giant spider. It, it still has the sexy woman on the cover, but even though he did fight a spider in the issue, there was no woman in danger in the tower at all, and yet they, they still put one on the cover. And I find that kind of funny. Of course, just based on the 11 Robert E. Howard stories I've read so far, all of them except two, maybe three, do feature women prominently and not always as either a damsel in distress or a woman for Conan to bed or, you know, just smooch up on. Actually, I can't really say that. Now that I think about it, even the strong female characters like Belit in Queen of the Black Coast and Yasmina in People of the Black Circle, they do wind up at the very least kissing Conan passionately at some point. But I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say here is that so far, the covers of the Marvel series very much personify the, you know, the whole hero saving the helpless babe trope that some people associate with Conan. And maybe that association is justified. I don't know. I haven't gotten that deep into everything that's Conan yet at this point to, to make that judgment. But maybe one of the reasons that people associate Conan getting with babes all the time is, is because of the covers here in this Marvel series. I don't know. Just something to think about. Let me know what you think when you're thinking about it. Until then, folks, that's all I got. Bye. Hither Came Conan is a Stephen or Else production. Find more podcasts at stephenorelse.com. Questions and comments can be directed to stephenorelse at gmail.com. Find me online at Twitter, Spoutable, and Instagram by searching for at stephenorelse. And join my newsletter, Stephen Says Stuff, at list.justanotherfanboy.com. This is a free substack where I will send every single podcast episode I host right to your inbox the morning that they are released. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr. And in return, I'm going to do my very best to give you and your fellow patrons podcast episodes just like this one before anybody else. I also encourage you to rate this show wherever available and share this episode with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. Many wars and feuds did Conan fight. Honor and fear were heaped upon his name. In time, he became a king by his own hand. This story shall also be told. Then the hell with you!